0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to my first ever podcast. What a beautiful day for my first podcast. My name is Otilia Benson, and I will be your host today uh, for no more than 30 minutes here. Uh, I am the curriculum director for ELA, English Language Arts and Social Studies, um, at a charter school network in New Orleans, Louisiana, by the name of Community Academies of New Orleans. I have been in my current position for about three years as the Director of ELA and Social Studies for that same network, and prior to that I was a teacher in one of our very own classrooms. Um, Our charter school network services for fantastic schools in the New Orleans area, including Esperanza Charter School, Foundation Preparatory, and Lafayette Academy Charter School, both our lower school and middle school campus. So prior to my current position, I was a seventh and eighth grade English teacher at Lafayette Academy Middle School. Currently as the curriculum director for ELA and Social Studies, I work very closely with um, what we call the academic team in central office, composed of our chief academic officer, our curriculum director for math and science, as well as a director of English learners and a director of student support services. Um, That beautiful team works very, very closely together to make sure that the teaching and learning across all of our buildings is exemplary and is what our students need to achieve their academic goals. Yay! Yay for academic goals and reaching them. Today we're going to spend some time together um, talking about Teaching and Learning with Technology in Special Education. Uh, This is coming to you via our Pearson-Revel textbook, which is Integrating Educational Technology into Teaching, Transforming Learning Across Disciplines. And Chapter 9 was devoted to Teaching and Learning with Technology in Special Education. I chose this chapter because I felt that it was unique and that it cuts across teaching and learning of all school content areas. So while I specialize in ELA and social studies, and those are truly my, my most passionate content areas, the information in this chapter extends beyond my comfort zone into the maths and sciences and other co-curriculars that we offer at community academies as well. Despite the increasing technological resources, researchers are arguing that technology is underutilized, especially for students with disabilities. And yet these are our learners that stand to benefit the most from technological affordances. So as technology continues to evolve, we know it holds great potential for the Uh, flexible instructional support necessary for meeting the evolving learning needs of our students with disabilities. In fact, additional researchers suggest that technology-supported curriculum in classrooms that have students with special needs, all of our classrooms, can lead to increased student involvement and enhanced self-determination. And when I read that, I knew this was the chapter I had to talk to you about today. So to dive right in with some of our key points of this chapter, we've organized the podcast today into three nice little sections for you. So we'll first uh, open and we'll start by talking about some background information about special education in general, which will give you some context and framework for learning a little bit more about technology enhancing the teaching and learning of our special education students. The second section we'll dive into will discuss some of the issues and challenges in the field of special education that are shaping how technology can be integrated. And then finally, our third section today, we'll discuss some integration strategies specific to teaching special education topics, and we'll talk about how teachers can improve their knowledge and skills in integrating technology most effectively for our students with diverse learning needs. So let's dive right into section one of today's podcast and let's begin with a little bit of background information about special education and technology integration. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, also known as IDEA which was passed in 2004, and it is the federal law for protecting the rights of children and youth with a disability and their parents, defines special education as specially designed instruction at no cost to parents to meet the unique needs of a child with a disability. 6.5 million students with disabilities are served under IDEA for special education as of 2016. The number of students with disabilities spending the majority of their time in general education settings has increased continually. For example, in 2013-14, to approximately 95% of students with disabilities who were served under IDEA were enrolled in regular schools, and about 60% of these students spent most of their time, 80% or more, in a general education setting. Before 1975, students with disabilities were typically excluded from public schools. You wouldn't even find them in the same building. But as special education programs began to take root in U.S. public schools in the late 70s, early 80s, specialized instructional services for students with disabilities were provided in separate special education classrooms. However, by the mid to late 1980s, Experts called on special education to mainstream students with disabilities into appropriate classes in their general curriculum. So by the time the IDEA was reauthorized in 1990, the mainstreaming argument had evolved into advocacy for what we refer to today as inclusion. Inclusion really remixed the whole idea of special education and how students were receiving services. And what it meant was that to the maximum extent appropriate, children with disabilities uh, were now included in public or private institutions or other care facilities and were educated with children who were not disabled. Special classes, separate schooling, or other removal of children with disabilities from the regular education environment were only to occur when the nature or severity of the disability um, is such that education in regular classes cannot be achieved satisfactorily. So you can see that in a matter of 40 years, the entire idea of special education has changed under the IDEA law from... Uh, separate and exclusive and not even in the same building to the idea of inclusion, that our special education uh, students and students with different learning disabilities can be educated uh, right there in the same classroom as our students who are um, labeled as non-disabled. To keep zipping right through our SPED timeline here to wrap up this background portion of our podcast, the 1997 reauthorization of the IDEA included a requirement that students with special needs must have what we refer to today as an IEP, or an Individualized Education Program, which essentially is just a written plan explaining how their needs will be addressed. IEP teams are tasked with creating and carrying out the IEP, and these teams consider assistive technology in their planning. In fact, advocacy for this mandate was based on the observation that the marketplace had produced many assistive technology solutions that weren't finding their way into schools and classrooms. As a result, students were losing considerable opportunities for accessing and engaging in the curriculum. Hence, the assistive technology policy initiative sought to ensure that the potential of technology for students with disabilities was realized. I wanted to also share a comment by Judy Human. I hope I'm doing her name justice, who was at the time the assistant secretary in the Office of Special Education Programs in the U.S. Department of Education and she captured the critical need for specialized technology used by individuals with disabilities in her quote. She says, for most of us, technology makes things easier. For a person with a disability, it makes things possible. When successful, the result is that an individual is able to complete a task that he or she previously either could not complete or did so slowly or poorly. Thus, the entire work of the field of special education technology can be summarized as searching, trialing, selecting, implementing, and evaluating technologies that augment, bypass, or compensate for a disability. Thank you to Judy for her beautiful quote, it doesn't just make things easier, technology makes things possible for our special education students. And with Judy's words, we're gonna wrap up section one of our background info about special education and technology. And we're gonna get into segment two of our podcast today, discussing issues and challenges when it comes to implementing technology for our students with diverse learning. Let's start with issue number one. Computers! As computers became commonplace in schools, individuals with disabilities encountered access problems. This usually involves something like the keyboard, the mouse, or the monitor, thereby creating an obvious need for assistive technology. By the mid-1990s, computer manufacturing industries began to install accessibility control panels on every computer that was shipped in the United States. This development marked the beginning of the accessible mainstream technology movement. That is technology developers began to explore the intrinsic barriers encountered by by individuals with disabilities and were starting to seek solutions that could be built into hardware and software. This would include things like keyboard shortcuts. I'm such a lover of keyboard shortcuts. Text enlargement, text to speech, something I didn't realize as a first year teacher I could live without. And these types of tools would help an even wider population, including our young children, our students, but also seniors in our communities as well. In due time, assistive technology advocates begin to view some types of assistive technology as something that could be made available to all students in the inclusive classroom to support access and engagement of diverse learners. The perspective that assistive technologies had a role in the general classroom to help many students and not just those with IEPs or labeled as special education would become known as inclusive technologies. Yay for inclusive technologies. So even though computer manufacturers began to make adjustments to make sure that more assistive technology was provided in all of their devices, which led to the wonderful thing called inclusive technologies, there were still many challenges that teachers were facing in knowing how to use an education and integrate technology for teaching students with disabilities. And anybody still in the classroom or involved in the school system today knows that these challenges still exist and are very, very real. There's been an increased emphasis on the need for teachers to acquire adequate knowledge about technology to support instruction and student learning. However, technology and assistive technologies have received low emphasis in teacher education programs. I'll speak for myself in saying that most of what I learned about technology and assistive technologies did not come from my education program to prepare me, but rather just from learning about it while I'm already in the field and in the classroom and mostly through other educators and colleagues. Because of a lack of preparation, both pre-service and in-service teachers express a lack of knowledge of the use of technology. Yep, that was me. This lack of knowledge and skills is the primary barrier to successful implementation. In addition, students with disabilities might abandon or not use assistive technology devices if they have a lack of training on use of the device. This would include their families as well. And they may lack ongoing technical and maintenance support for some of their assistive technologies as well. To summarize, for successful technology implementation for students with disabilities, adequate training and ongoing support are essential. That moves us into the third segment of our podcast today. It's time to talk integration strategies. To kick off our integration strategy section of the podcast today, we need to break down some terms that we'll use when discussing these integration strategies. So, historically, the emphasis on technology for students with disabilities has been in the area of assistive technology, or AT. And AT, assistive technology, has a definition with two parts. You can be talking about assistive technology devices, or an assistive technology service. An AT device would be defined as any item, piece of equipment, or product system, whether acquired commercially or off the shelf, that is modified or customized and used to increase, maintain, or improve the functional capabilities of a child with a disability. An assistive technology service refers to any service that directly assists a child with disability in the selection, acquisition, or use of an assistive technology device. Providing devices with appropriate services is significantly important for successful implementation of assistive technology. Next, let's start to define productivity technology. This includes devices and also software. By devices, we mean the actual hardware, so computers, mobile technology, access to Wi-Fi. By by productivity technology software, uh, we mean maybe something like presentation software. I know at my school, we use the G Suite um, apps, such as Google Slides, Google Docs, Google Forms, um, as a form of our productivity technology software. These assist learning, but typically don't have a curricular content built into them. Next, let's define instructional technology. This includes various technology software, and again, devices that do include sequenced instructional content and web-based technologies. So now we're moving from something like a G Suite that's not curricular specific um, into the instructional technology software, which would be. There is a trend towards having an increasing overlap between productivity, instructional, and web-based devices and software and assistive technology, because together they can be used to teach various skills as well as create a flexible learning environment that includes scaffolds for all students, including, of course, our students with disabilities. So for example, many technology devices have built-in AT features. Um, like the narrator or magnifier for windows. And because assistive technologies, along with productivity and instructional resources, can benefit students with disabilities, teachers should consider using all of these technologies together. So to summarize those definitions quickly, we have assistive technology, both the device and the service, We have Productivity Technology, both the device and the software. And finally, we have Instructional Technology software or devices. Again, we are encouraging teachers to consider their use of all three as they think about how to implement technology for their students with disabilities. Once a teacher is able to define these terms, the next question that begs itself to be asked is, how do I know which of my students need what? The decision to qualify a student for special education services is made by an IEP team. And once a child does qualify for special education services, that team is developed and convenes to create and oversee their IEP. An assistive technology team uh, is not the same as an IEP team, but an assistive technology team would be established within a school district to provide building-based and cross-building services relative to two key functions. They would, one, assess students for assistive technology, kind of like a referral for special education services, and two, they would facilitate the implementation of assistive technology devices and services. So the caseload of an assistive technology team is often determined through the IEP meeting. Finally, assistive technology teams may be called on to assist with significant school transitions, like between grade levels or new schools and so forth. This team would be comprised of uh, people including assistive technology specialists, maybe occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech language therapists, and others. I know at my charter school network, some of these um, positions are full-time positions in the school, and then some of them, like our occupational therapists, are outsourced through other um, contractors as well. So in addition to the IEP being a great starting point for who needs what, right? How do I support students with diverse learning needs with technology in my classroom? Another thing that a teacher should be familiar with are two of the core principles that are associated with the universal design for learning. And we'll talk about those one at a time. The first uh, is known as MMR, which means multiple means of representation. This involves providing students with alternatives to acquiring information beyond a textbook. Today's teachers have so many choices when it comes to presenting their instructional content to students. I see teachers do things like um, incorporating YouTube videos, listening to um, a podcast or an audiobook. This podcast right now is an example of multiple means of representation. And some of my students could benefit from listening to a podcast like this to um, relay information from a chapter versus just going to the textbook and reading that chapter. Um, read t- reading text on a website, l- researching their own topics using um, online search engines, and more are different ways that, again, students um, can seek out information um, through multiple means of representation. Options like YouTube and podcasts. Um, and search engines all permit teachers to kind of break out of this one-size-fits-all model, which assumes that all students learn in the same way. And we know from our experience in the classroom that that is so far beyond true. MMR also encourages teachers to use a wider palette of information to reach a wider range of diverse students. So when teachers are seeking to implement multiple means of representation or MMR, they are valuing academic diversity and they're discarding the historical notion that a particular information source is the only one that my students will need to make it click. In reality, providing students with a menu of information sources is thought to enhance access, engagement, and learning outcomes for both targeted students who we know will struggle with the content, and a large number of other students whom we can't identify in advance, but may benefit along the way. Technology tools and resources are critical for ensuring that diverse students have access to appropriate curricular resources to achieve their state level standards. So. After you've reviewed those IEPs or referred students who you think may need special education services, understanding multiple means of representation and how to incorporate those into your daily lessons is a very important integration strategy of technology for our special education students. The second core principle of universal design for learning that is critical to understand when we're talking about using technology to enhance learning for our students with diverse needs is MME, or multiple means of expression, and it goes hand in hand with MMR. Multiple means of expression draws attention to the need to provide students various methods of Demonstrating what they know. So MMR different methods for seeking out that information and MME on the flip side is different methods for Demonstrating what they now understand and have learned some teachers recognize the value of this principle when they allow students a choice of writing a paper Or maybe instead preparing a slideshow presentation or recording a video or, hey, here it comes again, recording their own podcast to express their understanding as well. The key notion is to provide students choices in how they want to demonstrate what they've learned. And their choices um, would also vary in the media that they use to express themselves. 21st century educators, which I am slowly becoming, will likely need to alter their instructional practices in order to allow students to try out multiple options to determine which option is just right for ensuring that their performance meets increasingly high standards. This principle of multiple means of expression highlights the importance of providing students with choices on how they express what they've learned. In many classrooms, you see teachers expecting students to make presentations to the class regarding a topic they have studied. Use of MME would mean that the students are given a choice in the presentation tool. They can opt how to learn a new tool or use one that they're already familiar with that supports specific features. So maybe they want to collaborate in Google Drive with the Google Slide presentation, or maybe they're more interested in using Prezi. Because the teacher may not be an expert in the use of each product, students are directed to use each other as resources for learning about the tools and to take advantage of online help and tutorials. This frees the teacher to devote more time and energy to helping students learn about the content and achieve performance standards, rather than having to learn all the ins and outs of those different platforms themselves. Once resources have been established that supports learners' multiple means of expression, they can be reused frequently. So a great strategy here would be to kind of introduce one at a time and then always have that tool kind of in your toolbox to choose for a later um, MME-friendly assignment. We have defined our terms, we have defined MME and MMR, and now we're gonna wrap up our time together today talking about a few specific technology strategies, and we're gonna zoom in on our students with mild cognitive disabilities for this portion. Mild disabilities are considered to be the most prevalent type of disability. They include um, learning disabilities, emotional and intellectual disabilities. Some of the characteristics associated with mild disabilities uh, would be attention deficits, memory and thinking skill deficits, reading, language art, or mathematics, Um, deficits. Typically, the important issue for these students is not physical access to the technology, but their ability to read, write, memorize, organize, and retain information. These students often experience difficulties with learning various skills. Thus, educators planning for the needs of students with mild disabilities often use productivity software, as well as other software materials and web resources that can be used by many low-performing students. These can include materials for developing reading, writing, and mathematics skills. In fact, we're going to zoom in right now on reading and writing. A characteristic associated with many disabilities is difficulty in learning how to read and in developing grade-level reading skills. So as a result, special education teachers tend to devote a great deal of time and energy to the teaching of reading and are likely to use a variety of devices and software products to remediate students' reading abilities. Some examples would be dictionaries, such as electronic talking dictionaries. Franklin, Inc. is a great one. Um, A reading pen, um, such as from Wizcom, Inc., These things can support students in understanding vocabulary while reading. Another critical one at our schools this year has been text-to-speech products that help students with poor decoding skills by reading the words aloud with the aid of a computer speech synthesizer. At my school, we're using text helps read and write for Google Chrome, and it has changed our world. There are also many tools that have been developed to support students who struggle in various phases of the writing process. You can tell I'm zooming in on reading and writing because my love for ELA is kicking in. Many students with cognitive disabilities struggle with brainstorming or organize ideas for writing. So graphic organizer software such as Inspiration or Kidspiration can help such students to organize their ideas using multimedia. For students who are unable to write by hand or who have Um, illegible handwriting or just who find handwriting extremely tedious, they can use voice recognition software or other numerous mobile apps to do speech-to-text functionality. Again, total game-changer in our own classrooms. We are still using TextHelp's uh, Read&Write for Google Chrome for our speech-to-text functions as well. With that, we're going to wrap up our third section of the podcast today and start to say our goodbyes. We're wrapping up those integration strategies. And I will leave you teachers with three specific things that you can do as you venture out back into your classrooms to support your students with diverse learning needs. When you are considering matching technology solutions to each of your students, I challenge you to do these Three things. One, become familiar with an array of resources available and the strategies that they enable. There is so much to see and learn out there. Get your hands on it. Two, once you find those resources that you know and love and think will benefit your students, identify how to gain access to them, which can sometimes be expensive to purchase and implement. The one I um, have promoted today that my schools are using, text helps read and write for Google Chrome, is free to teachers. And third, I want to um, you to consider joining the professional organization Uh, Council for Exceptional Children, the CEC, and they can provide updated knowledge, resources, standards, and professional development, that key, key, key essential strategy of professional development to support continued insights into the issues, challenges, and integration strategies outlined in this chapter. I've been your host, Otilia Benson from New Orleans, Louisiana. Happy teaching and learning, everybody.